0: And with that, I invite you to hear a reading from Isaiah, chapter 35. The desert and the dry land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. They will burst into bloom and rejoice with joy and singing. They will receive the glory of Lebanon, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the Lord's glory, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hand and support the unsteady knees. Say to those who are panicking, be strong, don't fear. Here's your God coming with vengeance, with divine retribution. God will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf will be cleared. Then the lame will leap like the deer and the tongue of the speechless will sing. Waters will spring up in the desert and streams in the wilderness. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground, fountains of water. The jackal's habitat, a pasture. Grass will become reeds and rushes. A highway will be there. It will be called the holy way. The unclean won't travel on it, but it will be for those walking on that way. Even fools won't get lost on it. No lion will be there and no predator will go up on it. None of these will be there. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The Lord's ransomed ones will return and enter Zion with singing with everlasting joy upon their heads. Happiness and joy will overwhelm them. Grief and groaning will flee away. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today is the third Sunday in the season of Advent. We're in the middle of December, we're in the middle leading up to Christmas. This Sunday is traditionally called Gaudet Sunday. And it comes from the Latin word gaudet, meaning to rejoice. So in this season of preparation for Christmas, in this season of preparation for the coming of the Messiah, we are reminded to rejoice. So what does it mean to rejoice? The word rejoice means to exult, to celebrate, to be glad, to give joy to or for something, to celebrate. Rejoicing is not entertainment. Rejoicing is not escapism where we ignore the current challenges of the world with the hopes that God will just beam us up into heaven. That's not what rejoicing is. Rejoicing is not nostalgia or clinging to the ways the world, the church, or our lives used to be. Rejoicing is not necessarily happiness. Rejoicing is choosing to celebrate God God's character and God's activity, regardless of the situation we may find ourselves. Regardless where you may be in life, what season you may be in life, whether you feel happy or sad, regardless of how things may be changing in your life, to rejoice is to choose to celebrate God. To rejoice is to acknowledge the groans of creation, And to actively look for God's work of recreation here and among us. If you were to read the first 34 chapters of Isaiah, you will hear lots of passages about doom and gloom. Numerous passages detailing the instability happening in the world. Whether that be in Israel or among the neighboring nations and people groups. You will hear passages of violence and war, panic and fear. When you read these passages, it seems as if the world is a wasteland. And sometimes, and in many ways, maybe we can relate to what's happening in our world or what's happening in our lives. Within these first 34 chapters of Isaiah, you read the groans of the people, whether it be individuals, nations, or all of creation. And in the midst of the groaning, there is hope. Hope that God will reappear and do something. Hope that God will show up and save the people. Hope that God will restore creation. And this hope leads to joy. When God shows up, all will be made right. Here again, some of the beauty described in Isaiah 35. The desert and the dry land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Have you ever looked at a flower, a blooming flower, and thought, hmm, that blooming flower is rejoicing. And God, the creator, Waters will spring up in the desert and streams in the wilderness. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever given thanks for water that quenches your thirst? And think, wow, God, thank you for providing for me, for satisfying my thirst. Thank you, God, for giving me living water. Happiness and joy will overwhelm them. Grief and groaning will flee away. I don't know about you, but I hope for that day. I long for that day when grief and groaning will flee and it will just be joy. Just as all creation groans, all creation will be made new And friends, we do not have to wait for God to make all things new. God is saving and restoring here and now. There are reminders and signs of new creation popping up all around us. Just as a flower blooms and as a sign of new creation, there are signs of God's recreation in your life and in the world around you. Are you looking for them? Are you looking for these signs? Are you paying attention to the new life God has for you and is giving to you? Our sermon series for this Advent is evergreen. And so as we've enjoyed this beautiful, dare I say magnificent 19 and a half foot Christmas tree, we're reminded that when we decorate with evergreens, we are reminded that they are a sign of life And especially for our friends living up north in the cold and snow and darkness of winter, evergreens are a sign that life is still there and new life is on the way. To rejoice is to look for signs of God's recreation, of God's new life emerging all around us. To rejoice is to testify to the ways that God has transformed our own lives. And here we're gonna get a little bit personal. You see, God isn't just in the business of renewing creation, God is in the business of renewing and restoring your life and my life, our lives. God's work of transformation is personal and universal. We see this personal transformation in the words of Mary after she has agreed to be the Lord's servant and to give birth to God's son. Mary responds to God with a song of praise and you'll see these words on the screen. They're also printed in your bulletin and I invite us to read these words together. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honor him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Mary has a profound, personal, spiritual experience that will change her life forever. But her spiritual experience isn't just for her alone. It's so that she may be a conduit, she may be a channel. A vessel for the change that God is making in the world. God invites her to participate in God's renewing and restoring and healing of creation. And Mary says, yes. She, her life is transformed. And through her, the world is transformed. She believes that God will work through her to to affect God's purposes here on earth. And what's interesting is that in this song that she sings, because she has experienced God's work in her life, she is convinced that God will work in the lives of other people. She says, because the mighty one has done great things for me, I know God will do great things for you and for the world. God will work in the lives of other people. God will be merciful and just. God will save God's people. Mary has experienced this transformation in her own life. And she does not keep her story, her testimony to herself. She sings it. She tells the story and she rejoices in what God has done in her life and what God will do through her in the world. To rejoice is to lament that the world is not as it should be. And yet, God is with us. God has not abandoned us. John Wesley, founder of our Methodist movement, he experienced many highs and lows in his life and in his ministry. And it is reported that while he was on his deathbed, He shared these last words. Best of all, God is with us. You might expect a preacher to say that, right? To be on his deathbed and to have that peace, that assurance that God is with us. But friends, that's not just limited to clergy. That's offered to all of us. To have that assurance, that peace, the joy to know that God is with us. When I was in seminary at Duke Divinity School, there was this one particular hallway and in the archway of the hallway, they had carved different quotes into the beams. And uh, in one particular beam, they had this quote, best of all, God is with us. And I don't know about you, but it was very comforting to me as I was walking down the hallway on on the way to a test or an exam to think, well, God is with me, I sure hope so. I'm going to need you, God, during this exam. But those words have stayed with me. And any time when I'm going through a challenging situation in my life, when I've interviewed before the board of ordained ministry, when I came here to First United Methodist Church of Orlando, I reminded myself that best of all, God was with me. God is with you, God is with us. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, our savior, Emmanuel, God with us. God who came to be with us right in the middle of our groaning. God who came to know our pain and to be with us in our pain. God who came to know sorrow and to be with us in our sorrows. God who became part of creation in order to heal creation. That's what we're preparing our hearts for. For God to be with us. To remember that God is with us now. To rejoice is to respond to what God has done in the past, to what God is doing now and for what God will do in the future. In Revelation chapter 21, we hear these words, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people's. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. He also said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, all is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will, give, I will freely give water from the life-giving spring. Those who emerge victorious will inherit these things. I will be their God and they will be my sons and daughters. Creation may not currently be as God intended for it to be. However, God is not yet done with creation. God is not done with us. God is not done with First United Methodist Church of Orlando. God is not done with you and God is not done with me. We have hope for the day when there will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. For indeed, our God is making all things new. And from Revelation chapter 22, then the angel showed me the river of life-giving water, shining like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the city's main street. On each side of the river is the tree of life, which produces 12 crops of fruit, bearing its fruit each month. The, leaves, the tree's leaves are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They won't need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will rule forever and always. Throughout this Advent series, we've talked about Genesis, the tree of life, And how in the beginning, God intended for us to eat from the tree of life, to enjoy perfect, uninterrupted relationship with God forever. God will once again give us access to the tree of life. You and I will be healed. You and I will have perfect, uninterrupted relationship and connection with God forever. All creation will be healed And there will no longer be any curse. You and I will be in perfect relationship with God and with each other and with all creation. And friends, God's healing and recreating, it's not something we just have to wait for in the future. But it's started. It is happening here and now all around us if we but open our eyes to see it. To take it all in. There's a man by the name of Jean Vanier. He was a Frenchman and he had the radical belief that all children are beloved children of God. And that may not seem so radical to you, but in the 60s and 70s, Uh, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities were often not seen that way. And John Vanier said, no, people with intellectual and developmental differences, they have gifts to offer to the world. And so he created Larsh Communities, which are residential communities, houses, uh, where people of various intellectual and developmental abilities live together in community, blessing one another and sharing their gifts with one another. He started with one community in France and has now spread uh, to over 150 Larch communities in 38 countries. Bill Clark tells this story from the early days of the Larch community. There was once this man named Claude. Claude is the type of person who has a wisdom all his own and a different perspective on life. He has been known to ask, what time is orange? And how was tomorrow? One day, Claude was at the beach with Jean Pierre and several others of his community. The ocean was at low tide, so there was an immense stretch of flat, sandy beach. And they began making designs in the sand. You and I have probably drawn in the sand as they did. Claude drew a big, big circle with a couple of marks inside that could have been face, facial features. "'What's that?' asked Jean-Pierre. With a big smile, Claude replied, "'It's Madame's son.' "'Oh, that's good,' Jean-Pierre said. "'Now let's see you draw joy.' Claude took a look around him at the wide beach that stretched out in both directions as far as the eye could see. Then he turned to Jean-Pierre with a big smile on his face. And In all seriousness, he said, there's not enough room. The beach, the sand on the beach was not enough room to draw all the joy that Claude could see, all the joy in the world that Claude could know. Friends, there's not enough room to write or to draw all the ways that God is at work making all things new. So on this third Sunday of Advent, I encourage you, I challenge you today to take time to rejoice. To tell the good news of what God has done and is doing right now in your life. I challenge you today to rejoice to begin to write down or to draw all the ways that God is at work making all things new. Will you rejoice today? Let us pray. God of grace and God of wonder, we give you thanks for the life that you have given to us. We give you thanks our imaginations and the air that we breathe for the abilities that you have given to us we give you thanks for your son Jesus who came to be with us Emmanuel God with us no matter what season of life we may find ourselves whether we feel happy or sad. We celebrate you today, God. We celebrate that you are with us, that you are at work making us new, making all creation new today. We pray that we will live into that new creation, that we will be the people that you have called and created us to be, the people that you love us to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.